Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, welcome back. Hour two, lunchtime, bean time, home improvement. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. I promise all day long, lots of things happening here. So much that we can talk about on KMOX. What is it that's happening with you? We have so many things to talk about. Phone lines are open. 314-436-7900-436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120. 800-925-1120. Uh, we can talk about this hot cold heating cooling filter service uh we finished up with dixie on the last part of last hour there we were talking about uh getting her heating and cooling unit replaced uh it's older and you know i love proactive uh, when you wait for stuff to break you're at the mercy of what product is in town is in stock uh, maybe a little too big, a little bit too small, doesn't have the bells and whistles that might be the best investment, best fit for you. Uh, or they, you know, you, you're in a, you know, 97 degree high temp day and all the service techs and heating, cooling people are just jam busy. I love it. Dixie's like, hey, what is there a best time of year? What questions should I ask? Um, is there a better way? How can I be a better consumer? So many, it just, it just puts the consumer in the driver's seat when they don't have to do anything right now today. Um, it, 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 I, I love preventive maintenance. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a reactive stance. Uh, I'm not a favor of uh, waiting for things to happen uh, to a consumer or a homeowner. It's important to have those conversations uh, with people. Define the ones that you click with, the companies that are built for the type of service you want uh, that are either uh, price-driven. So, I mean, and, and you know them. You know, this guy's a great price, not so good on service, and he really doesn't, you know, stick around. He just puts in a unit and he's gone. Uh, he got the middle of the market, does a little bit of all of it, not probably very well. Uh, and then you wind up with the full service that, you know, customizes everything. Well, I mean... There are different companies because there are different consumers. One size does not fit all. Um, you know, so anyway, that is something we can talk about here. Uh, 314-436-7900. I have lots of phone lines open just for you. I've been waiting right here in the corner studio down here at uh, KMOX. I, I'm so lonely. Bosco's been holding my hand, cranking out 50,000 watts. I have Samantha, my producer. She's doing a good job of keeping me on the air. And, you know, keep, you know, I, I hit the button in that ejection seat. Sometimes I wind up in the park next door down here by Soldiers Memorial in the library downtown. It's a, you know, it's a nice flight. Oh, the landing is murder though, man. You know, as long as I'm up in the air after hitting that ejection seat, I'm good. Hitting the turf out in that park next door, usually I scare some of the tourists. Uh, you know, it's just not good. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I think we should get right to the phone line and speak with Laura. Hey, Laura, welcome to lunch on KMOX. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thank you. Yes. I had some new windows put in about a year ago. And a few weeks ago, when it was, like, really windy, I noticed underneath the windowsill and then going down the wall and on the floor right beneath 
you know, the windowsill, that there was like some dust, dirt, and I thought, I need to call the window company. These mice must not be sitting properly. Well, today I go in this room, and there looks on the floor underneath the same windowsill, it looks almost like somebody spilled potting soil on the floor. And I don't have any plants around there. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, do I have termites? Um, well, you have, uh, insects of some sort, whether it's termites or ants, uh, and generally, uh, ants, either way you have moisture, which really shouldn't be around on new window installations. Um, so I would be suspicious, um, of what, you know, is there a wood trim around there on the inside of that, Laura? Yes. Okay. Uh, I would suggest either you or the window person take that trim off uh, and be very careful how that comes off uh, because sometimes we, we as carpenters nail from one side through on the outside corner into the other unit to line up those two faces of those units. So be very suspicious of uh, nails being there where you may not think they should be. But pulling off that trim on the face there will expose the plaster or drywall, the wood, and then how that window is in. And that would be the first inspection method for a troubleshooter to come in and figure that out. I suspect you're going to find uh, moist something moist in there with the rain we had, uh, but it could be a persistent moist. Bugs like humidity. They can't live in a dry environment. They like warm, they like wet, and they need something to eat. Ants and carpenter ants will do the same thing that termites, only not quite as extensive, but they're drawn to the same conditions, and I suspect you may have a water intrusion problem around one of those windows, and then I'd want to go around and inspect each one of them. But, you know, it, 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 you probably have the leaking window on the direction last week's storm came from, you know, that kind of thing. So Okay, so I should call the company that put in the windows first. I believe so, and have them pull off that trim um, because if it's wet around the windows, I would want to have that conversation. And maybe they just blew it. You know, maybe it was just a mistake. And they will say, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Um, you know, and, and uh, if they start saying it's wet here, it's not our problem, you know, I'd say, well, tell me how. Because each window should, well, best practices, which is only about 10% of the contractors in the country, best practices are to flashing tape around each window opening before they go in. And even if they do that wrong, they can actually bring water in. So if you don't flash correctly, you can make things worse faster. Um, I, and, oh, my gosh. Or it could be just a simple thing. They, you know, they caulk something wrong or lap something wrong. I mean, it's human, so you're not into perfect things, you know. Uh, you know, not too many of us here running around on the face of the earth are perfect. So, But how they okay. handle it, how they respond will let you know, you know, the you know, color of their eyes. <laughs> well, yeah, and I went with a very reputable company, and I spent a lot of money on these windows. I didn't do the cheap $3,000. This was like oh. twenty over $25,000 for 10 windows. So yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it better be fixed. I think you'll find that they'll be happy to come out and pull that trim and get into, it's like, oh, you know, because people make quality mistakes. And, you know, I, I think you'll, I, I think you'll have a good transaction there, good exchange there. They'll be happy to come out and try that out and inspect. like, well, you want me to check the other windows too? You know, so... Uh, give them a call. Okay. I, I would expect good things from that. 
I appreciate that. Um, and so they would they have to, even though they're fixing the window, will they have to do something to exterminate those insects, or do I have to call somebody else to do that? Uh, the extermination of the insects is usually outside of that. Stopping the water or, or, or installing those windows in a dry fashion may not. And you may indeed, I mean, on about a third of those things, we come back and we find out that there's water coming in behind the siding way up above the new windows. So even if the windows get installed in the correct way, um, vinyl siding is is famous for water running behind it. Um, so, you know, if, if you run out of... Uh, choices, you're welcome to call our company uh, and we do an inspection service, but there's a fee with it. I, I think these guys will probably stay with you pretty well, but it, usually the extermination is extra and outside of the water window installation. See how they're going to handle mm. you on this. Okay, well, if it's the siding in that, I'll definitely call you. I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Okay, Laura, good luck. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, X Scott Mosby, at your service right here on University of KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. Oh, yeah, we are off and running, rounding the second turn, coming out down the portable stretch. Oh, it is heating and cooling today, whether you think so or not. Phone lines are open here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We've got another hour until we come up until the Rick Edelman Show. And then 3 o'clock, the business of family business, 4 o'clock, Health Matters. And then 5 p.m., Inside Cardinals Nation, 620, the Ameren Total Access pregame show. Alex Ferrario brings us the pregame show cards tonight against the Cubs at Bush Stadium home game 715 right here on the voice of St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, and then as usual, we go into after baseball Route 66 with our own famous, the world famous, the one, the only Johnny Rabbit right here. Oh yeah. Ron Ells is Johnny Rabbit and has been for quite a while. Uh we've got phone lines, topics, hot Cold, yeah, probably not enough cold, but plenty of hot. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We can talk about all things around your house. Let's go to Joe here. Hey, Joe, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on Cam Wex. How can I help? Yeah, Scott, I was wondering if you had an opinion for uh, these uh, apartments that don't have central air. I've been seeing them advertise these uh, uh, ductless, uh, portable um air conditioners uh, for, you know, small apartments, 500, 700 square feet. And I was just wondering if you had an opinion on that. Um, I like portable air conditioners uh, because when you get a, a small uh, environment, 500 square feet, you know, one room, two rooms, three rooms, um, keep in mind that it will do a good job. It, it is a uh, window air conditioner on wheels. That's all it is. However, right. a window air conditioner exhausts the hot air outside the window. These portable air conditioners typically have a six-inch round plastic flex duct. It is really, uh -huh. really important for that to go outside because otherwise right. you're just recirculating the hot and the cold air. You're not really going to cool anything off. It'll run as a dehumidifier, but it won't really cool anything off. They're okay. Honestly, I would yeah. rather ha have you put a window air conditioner in there than one of these portable things. The portable things are more convenient. They're easy to put right. on the floor. You never have to lift anything up. Uh, uh -huh. 
So they're convenient, but they're not as directly efficient as a window air conditioner because the window air conditioner has a bigger exhaust surface, you know, about the size of the window. Uh, So they're more efficient. They're going to give you more cooling. But, you know, I mean, for somebody that's 70 or 80 years old, they're probably not going to heft up that thing into the window. So, you know. Right. And and, and then the only thing, Scott, with the the fixed... uh window air conditioner it's say like if it's in the living room area then i guess that the best way to circulate the air you'd have to you'd have to put a fan in between the the, the little breezeway or whatever going back to the back bedroom to try and force some of that cool air back yes if, if you're going to have a portable air conditioner whether it's an inside ca- thing on wheels on casters or a window and you're trying to cool the rest of the house turn on the blower motor on your furnace because it's a whole house. You know, if you have a forced air furnace, um, it's a big mix master. It'll take that cool air. It will warm up the room you're trying to cool, but it'll cool Uh off the hotter units themselves. And at 97 degrees, you need a lot of BTUs, a lot of tonnage. So most of these portable units are only going to knock 10 degrees or 15 degrees off of the hot temperature. So, you know, I mean, when you need a truck engine to do the job, but you're only doing a portable car, you know, it's just hard to get the performance out of the, you know, you need a lot of cooling today and and it's going to get hotter too. Okay. (laughs) Just like uh, back in the early sixties, you wouldn't suggest anybody getting a block of uh, dry ice and circulating that cool air through, would you? Oh, yeah, I would, believe it or not. Uh, Some of the most notable mansions built for the World's Fair had air conditioning in 1904, and they were big rooms about 8 by 8 by 10 feet tall, and they stacked up block ice, and they had a big blower that moved the air through the house. So believe it or not, at the turn of the century in the 1904 World's Fair, some of these mansions had block ice air conditioning, really cool right. something. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, not regular ice, but like dry ice. No, 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 yeah. It would have to be block ice. Yeah, it'd have to be block ice and and, okay. and bunches of the stuff. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Okay, Joe. Take care. All right. Bye, bye now. Yep. Hey, now if you're going to take a block of ice and sit on it or hold it in your lap. That'll cool you off. The problem is it gets you a little bit wet with that. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, frankly, block ice used to be cut out of the rivers and then held in underground ice houses covered up with sawdust because sawdust was a good insulator and the thermal constant of a cave or a root cellar, rascular, below grade, you know, underground thing, you know, that ice house, that's what those things were. And oftentimes they took that block ice and moved it around. Uh, So, so many things to talk about there. Um, Again, keep in mind, so many ways of air conditioning. Uh, Here is air conditioning. There is a heat pump, and a heat pump is nothing more than an air conditioner running backwards. So, instead of dumping the hot air outside the house and the cool air inside the house, that's an air conditioner, a heat pump is the same unit running in reverse where it dumps the hot air inside the house for wintertime and the cool air outside the house. So that's a heat pump. It's all electric, non-gas, uh, usually forced air. It doesn't have to be, but that's a heat pump. Then you have the regular uh, gas. We don't see too many of the gas air conditioners anymore. That's a different type. Now, uh, there is also geothermal. 
geothermal, which is also a heat pump. Now, you and I typically have outdoor condensers. You know, those fan, that thing that goes, you know, and the fan blows on and then it starts getting cooler a little bit later. That's a typical air conditioner. Um, And if it's coupled with the heating ability, that's a heat pump. But if you have a geothermal system, today it's 97 degrees out. How much cooling are you going to get on that gas unit outside of your air conditioner when it's that blasted hot? Well, what if you took that condensing unit and buried it underground in a cave? You know how cool a cave is, 56, 55 degrees Fahrenheit, thermal constant. That's the deal of a geothermal and it is still a heat pump. And, in, you know, in the summertime, we're dumping the cooling inside and we're getting the gas to use a liquid that goes in basically big wells. You know, they're like deep wells. They're usually 100, 150 feet deep. And it, it dumps the heat into the soil outside. So much more to talk about. Keep in mind, but that's just one of the ways we get around it there. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, CamoX. Stay tuned. Lots of things happening here on The Voice of St. Louis. I've got some great questions. I'm going to get to you here in just a minute. So much, oh, so much to talk about here on KMOX. Lots of things ahead. Scott Mosby, this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show, and I am at your service. We've got phone lines hot and smoking, Bosco making 50,000 watts, and Don on line one with a question. Hey, Don, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Same to you, sir. I uh, am a need of a sheet of uh, either OSB board or plywood, one-inch thick, oversized. I need a four-by-nine. I haven't had any luck at the local uh, lumber yards. I wonder if you might know where I might get a piece, order a piece, or... Uh, you're going to need to go to a, a real lumber yard, and that's still going to be a special order piece. The problem is a one-inch thick piece of OSB, um, man, oh, man, you may have a hard time. You may do better off uh, going to a hardwood supply because a one-inch thick of anything. Uh, can you do it with two half-inch pieces here, Don? Well, that's what I'm considering. If I can't locate it, I may just uh, glue two together. Yeah, I I would advise that because here's how this is going to go. It's going to be a special order no matter where you get it. All of the wholesalers are going to only have it in a bunk, so you'll need to buy 50 to 55 sheets, or they will, and then they're going to hope some other guy is going to buy the other 54 you know, and, you know, it's just not going to work out. So uh, at Mosby, for us to do this kind of thing, now you really have to start paying attention to how thick is that half-inch sheet. You may do better off buying a true uh, CDX plywood, 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 and not OSB because it'll be more of a thick enough piece because half-inch plywood or OSB isn't half-inch thick anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'll do. I considered that, but I thought I'd uh, pick your brain because I... I wouldn't have any luck, and I knew if anybody knew, it'd be you. So, uh, uh, what kind of a contact glue should I, uh, you know, glue that together with? Um, it's more the pattern. Really, you can use any kind of a liquid nails. You can use any kind of oh, a okay. good construction adhesive. But to make it pre- be- behave as a one-inch sheet of plywood, are are you doing this for structural rack brace strength? Well, uh, what? Uh, yeah, I, I need it full strength. What it is, uh, Scott? It's uh, extend a in the room on a uh, camper and I uh, had a leak in it and made a it had SOB or OSB cord on it and it yep. uh, you know it made a soft spot and uh, messed up things so I've, I've got to change it all out so <laughs> that's why I need this one space it was actually uh, four by eight and a half is what it is see? and uh, 
Yeah, you'll have uh, that. That you will find four by nine plywood. It'll be hard to find, but you will find four by nine plywood. I don't know if the big box stores have it. I know we sometimes get it for framing because we love it. You know, right. when the plywood laps down over the floor joist too, it's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I kind of think. Thank you so much for your time, Scott. Oh, appreciate it. Okay, now make sure you do at least an eight-inch pattern. Uh, do a, a ribbon of that stuff if you can, but I don't think you really need the structural uh, integrity of a one-inch sheet. So, you know, do it Do it on a four-inch center or an eight-inch center, and then as soon as you put that glue on, make sure you laminate that piece and then start fastening it with its screws or nails or however you're going to secure it. Right, right. It's a slide thing, and one, one side of it's carpeted, and the other, the belly part, is a heavy plastic. So I've got to, you know, use a nail or screw something, and it won't go through both sides. So Okay. Okay, I sure appreciate your time, and I love your show. All right, thanks, Don. Take care. Mm-hmm, bye-bye. Bye. Yep, sometimes you just have to be more clever on how to laminate. We, we deal with this stuff all the time because uh, when we, you know, I mean, we're typically a custom contractor. So, you know, we take things serious, you know, seriously that, you know, if you're doing a kitchen remodel, it needs to line up with the rest of the house or you have that conversation with the customer before that time. So we're pulling things out, taking plywood out or, you know, in bathrooms when you take out a mud set, you know, base, you know, for those of you, you sometimes you have four or five inches of concrete underneath some of those bathroom floors and then you have to you know structurally build that up with floor joist reinforce the structure and then pick you know two three uh, different pieces of plywood or osb to get the thickness of that floor to align where you want you know for that whatever that finished floor is like hardwood or you know ceramic tile uh, let's see what's cooking here with james hey james scott here how can i help uh good afternoon scott um yes sir my, I live in a small uh, village in the middle of Illinois, and they are go, undergoing new water main replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, of course, it's making a mess of the town, and apparently somebody lost all the diagrams. They are hitting water mains all the time. We're having boil orders off, on, off, on. Wow. It's just a headache. But Wednesday morning, no water in the town at all. It was off for a while. It eventually came back on. Uh, my house has very low water pressure, but I do have water. I have no hot water. It's coming out of the faucet. The water heater's working. It's heating water. Is the low pressure not able to push the hot water to me? Uh, you may have a bunch of sand in your water heater. That's what, that's, that's number one deal. When they hooked that back up, they fired it up, and I'm real close to where they made the repair. Oh, and we were told we were told that when they fired that up, they had the PSI too high. Well, that could be. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and anyway, I'm just wondering how much sediment got shoved into the system. Well, we're dealing with that with a customer now that, uh, you know, frankly, with all the freezing water mains in St. Louis over the winter uh, and and that sediment keeps coming, you know, because if you're the guy at the low end of that water main service, you're going to get all that sand, you're going to get the mineral deposits, the whole thing. So, uh, you know, it's it's a long dance. I, I would certainly uh, drain that water heater. Uh, the way to do that is the, you know, uh, shut the off the closet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, shut off the faucet, uh, uh, the flame, you know, turn off the heat source uh, and then start draining it slowly. Um, drain it down, drain the whole tank down, turn it on. Uh, you, what you need to do is, is mix up the turbulence so that that sand gets uh, 
up to the uh, drain stop down on the bottom and then watch mm-hmm. what comes out of that hose. But I'll I'll bet you a nickel you've got more stuff from the water main. Um, sounds like you've got, they've got their hands full, which means you've got yeah. your hands full. Yeah, it, it's kind of a nightmare. The local radio station's almost making <laughs> about it. The, oh. Every 45 minutes they come on uh, boil order, boil order removed. Oh. <laughs> well, the, the good news is they're replacing the infrastructure. It's funny, but it, funny, but it isn't. But yeah. like I said, we everybody else around has good pressure now. I think we got a bunch of stuff shoved in us. Yeah, you're uh, here's we're how really it, close to that. Well, it, 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 if you're that guy on the low end of that water service in that town, uh, you could have it in your water heater. Some shower valves have filters in it. All your aerators mm-hmm. on the end of I've your faucets, kitchen faucet all and all of that. You know, those things are, uh, you know, those will fill up and build up. And those uh, The aerators on the end of the faucet spouts have to be changed. I mean, they're just a dozen things. And if there's enough sand coming through, you know, your uh, pressure reducing valve and your main stop coming into the house could have some debris in it too. Yeah. I've done the aerators and yes, they had plenty of stuff in them. Yeah. You're not done. My opinion is that this will go on for your house for at least six to 12 months after they're finished messing with the water mains. Well, thanks for that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to set reasonable expectations because if you think it's all over when they're done, it's not because, you know, Mother Nature, gravity, sand and, yeah. you know, it, it you know, somebody's going to get that debris. OK, so now step number one would be drain that uh, water heater, the yeah. water heater. Yeah. Yeah. And go from there. And, and when you fill that water heater up, make sure you burp it, which means let all the air out with that temperature and pressure valve. Yeah. So as the water comes up, you're valved you, up at the top. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Appreciate the help. Good luck, James. We're all praying for yep. you. You may, you may yeah, need a lot of us to do the mojo for you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, bye now. Home Improvement, Camwex. So many things. I mean, we think we're the only house. We are part of a system. Um, and Missouri American, Illinois American, you know, all of these various water companies, um, they're de- I mean, most of those water pipes underneath the ground are somewhere the new ones are 50 to 60 years old. Some of the old ones are 150 to 180 down here in downtown St. Louis, these old towns. You know, holy smokes. Uh, So there's a ton of money in changing those things to uh, getting, and as they change the water mains, you know, it's like going into the hospital for surgery. They scramble up some stuff to make those improvements and there are some consequences, sand, debris. I mean, when they change a big pipe on a 100-year-old pipe, that knocks loose a whole bunch of lime deposit on the inside of that uh, pipe. And it's coming to somebody's house. So whoever the next guy is that turns on their water, they get it. So, so much to talk about. Home improvements, stay tuned. So much more on KMOX. Uh, we go up to 1 o'clock, then news, weather, and sports here on KMOX. Rick Edelman up next. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah. Bosco cranking out 50,000 watts. I'm here wound up, ready for bar. Let's see what's happening. And let's talk to Dorsey. That's an interesting name. Hey, Dorsey Scott here. How can we help? Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. I had some, I had some people out of the house yesterday to give me a bid on waterproofing the basement. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a bid of $15,000. The house is 110 years old, and it will be sold. They don't 
repair the walls. The water comes in, but they build a guttering system where the wall meets the floor. Yeah. And then a sump pump and some other kind of equipment pulls the water out of the house. And then they cover the walls with this bright wall product. Yeah, and kind of a plastic my, product, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. Yep. He, he said the water doesn't cling to it, so it wouldn't get moldy, and you get a nice finished look. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, my question is, because it's 110 years old and it's going to be sold, is there a less expensive way to successfully waterproof the basement? Uh, there may be, but half of the product that you're buying is the transferable warranty. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's the company's reputation, uh, how thorough they're doing that, um, that, that, you know, I mean, and I'm just saying half of the value of what you're buying is a, a house that has been waterproofed. So yeah. th- there are a lot of things you can do. Um, you can do it yourself, but all those things don't have warranties and therefore don't appeal to a prospective buyer. So it's important to buy a strong brand name, somebody that has reputation and a good warranty because you're really selling that warranty to the home buyer. Um, So I I would advise that, yeah, there's a lot of other ways to do it. But when you're selling a house like that, uh, the realtors will tell you it's very important to buy from a reputable old time company that has a good warranty. Yeah, I understood. I've been thinking that. I just thought maybe there was another way to go about it. But uh, thank you very much. Yep. Uh, When you're selling the house, it's all about the warranty uh, supplier, you know, and that's that's really what you... So yes, there is, and no, you shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Thanks again. Okay, take care, Dorsey. Good luck. Uh Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. And, And so many things, I mean... I mean, when I talk about custom or semi-custom, that's one of the, how long are you going to stay in the house? Uh, you know, so Dorsey, uh, she's fixing the house up to sell. That's a different company than just achieving waterproofing because she has to have a warranty that appeals to a prospective buyer because she's investing in this house. Uh, and that has to have a perceived value from the next buyer, next homeowner to pay her for whatever the cost was for that. Uh, let's go to Marie, see what's happening here with Marie. Hey, Marie, Scott Mosby, how can I help? Hey, Scott. Thanks for taking the call. Yes. Um, I like your show. Thank you. So I do I, too. I have a good time. Basic. Yeah, well, I enjoy doing it while I putz around the house. <laughs> um, I, I have a question. Um a couple, actually. I have a sidewalk out front. It it goes from the house to the uh, street, and uh, it's uneven. The pads are uneven, and I'm I'm seeing that there probably is some settling underneath. And I know there's a lateral sewer line that actually runs parallel to that um, sidewalk. And my I'm wondering if there's. Uh, you know, places underneath that are, uh, I, I don't think the line's broken. I know it was replaced, oh, man, several, at least 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Um, and I think they used PVC pipe when they replaced it. Okay. But I'm worried that it might be uh, cracked or broken and causing um, some uh, soil underneath that sidewalk 
um, you know, to cause it to be uneven. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it there is something related to that pipe. But even if it was put in correctly, uh, sometimes when the pipe is put in for the sewer, you've got the sewer stuff all flowing inside the pipe. But now you've got this fluffed up, built up, um, dug up soil that then gets backfilled. So then you get a gully washer and then water starts traveling underground on the outside of the pipe as it should be. But it loves that newly dug up pipe path for a water highway, if you will, uh, and it can erode and cause settling. So everything could be just fine with your plumbing and you still have settling. So uh, I think your possibility is that just as you have assessed it, you know, it, it, it certainly can be, but that's more of just filling in and, and lifting up. Uh, is this sidewalk uh, um, uh, uneven all throughout its full length or only in that area where the pipe was? Oh, it's actually uneven pretty much through its full length. It's causing us a few steps that go down to the actual sidewalk yeah. to be uh, to sink to one side. And I also noticed, too, that out in the street, um, they have dug up, you know, something. Uh, I don't know what they dug up. It was water pipes or something. And that seems to seem to be sinking or, or having a dip yeah. to it. So I'm kind of wondering if there might be uh, some involvement with the city water uh, that might be causing some issues too. Uh, I really because I'm I'm thinking oh if I get these guys in to actually um, fix that sidewalk, I'm liable to find a whole lot more underneath there. So I'm not sure which way to go with it. Um, I, I would actually just uh, call the water company to see if they have any repairs or any work planned because once they dig up the stuff in the street, you you can have things moving on your yard. You know, water travels underground. It erodes and carries soil away, can cause that settling up on a sidewalk, patio, front porch. Uh, but frankly, mm-hmm. the responsibility is yours to fill in or mud jack that sidewalk. Uh, I think it'd be a, a good call on that one to give Helitech a phone call and just sit, you find out what it takes to move that sidewalk and have that conversation with somebody on site. Um, you know, that, okay. that that's a, a free call and a free visit. They've been doing that stuff for over 30 years. So that would be my suggestion. Okay. And you're going to get somebody smart to look at your sidewalk too and have that conversation on site. Okay. And then my other question was... Um, I have one of these uh, brick homes, and at my fireplace, I've got damage. And it's, I'm sure it's water damage, and a lot of the homes in my area have the same issue. Um, I had the roof replaced, and it's by a, a chimney and a fire. I have a chimney and a fireplace, so it's right above the fireplace. Okay. So I know there's water getting in somewhere. I had the roof replaced, and I also had a cricket put in um, at the uh, uh, at the chimney, you know, to because that's what they said would help divert that water. Uh, and I had, you know, the flashing looked at and everything. But I'm, I, the plant, the guy that's going to do the plaster basically said, "Listen, you, you still got, you know, he's got a meter that he puts up against the wall, and he's telling me that there's still some leakage there. It's, it's not a lot, but there's still some." Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm having trouble trying to figure out. Well, should I have the roof because the roof was just replaced, you know, a year ago, uh, maybe less than a year. Yeah, well, it was less. The issue you um, so you you have an no, issue that we've been dealing with for a long time. You have a masonry fireplace in the winter time that 
chunk of masonry gets really cold. And then, and, and this is common with plaster, this is common with drywall, more so with plaster ceilings. That cold brick hits the warm, moist air inside your house, and right where the plaster touches that brick fireplace, the moisture right. soaks into the plaster out from inside the brick or the condensation of that cold brick. You reach the dew point. You're actually creating water droplets where the plaster and the brick touch. We at Mosby have been dancing with this for years, but and you're not going to stop this. Um, unless you rebuild the framing lumber around the chimney and put a brace or a, a space or insulation, a thermal break from that big hunk of brick chimney between that and the plaster. It's this is a big deal. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's just the way these old houses were built. I'm in a house built just like that, um, and fortunately, I, and the, on the second floor. Um, you know, about every eight or 10 years, we have to fix that plaster around that because I'm unwilling to reframe the roof to move this framing wood and therefore plaster away from that brick. It's, you know, I'm in a 1953 built house. Just is what it is. I think mine was built around the 40s, 1941, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Full masonry. Uh, if you're anyway. in a, Yeah. I, I don't have good luck for you there. This is a... Uh, it can be done, um, but it's you know ten to twenty thousand dollars for just reframing this roof around your fireplace, and it's just not worth that. Okay, so what are you doing with it? You're just having the plaster fixed every so many years. Yeah, because if you can't put some insulation between that plaster and the chimney, or if or if you can leave uh, an airspace there, then you then the right. plaster will stop soaking up that moisture. But the wood framing behind the plaster will soak it up. So it's a okay, big deal. Okay, so it's kind of a, yeah, it's yeah. a tough one to, to deal with. Welcome to St. Louis okay, and full well, masonry. There you go. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I wish I had better luck. Well, thanks very much. Okay. Yeah, no, that's okay. At least the sidewalk thing, uh, I'm a little concerned about that. I didn't want to have somebody come in, dig that up, and find out, oh, you've got, you got to dig up that lateral line and... No, I don't think uh, you're into you know, that. Replace all of that. I think you're I into a little bit okay. here and a little bit there, and that's it. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Scott. All right, Marie. Bye now. Have a good one. Home Improvement, KMOX, Scott Mosby.